Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. I know it sounds corny to say, but music does bring us together. And guess what? If you're within the sound of my voice, that must mean you're in the seats with once more, as always. My name is Dave Voigt, and I'm the host of this podcast, where we sit down with a wide-ranging variety of entertainment industry professionals, and we pick their brain about current projects, state of the industry, how they got started, and so very much more in a light and in a conversational fashion. And you know, if you like how we do things around here, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that you do, because quite frankly, you're listening right now. And if you are, do us that kindness and hit that subscribe button and give us the old five-star rating on your podcast provider of choice. We're available pretty much everywhere. Places like Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and plus we archive every single one of our episodes over at our In The Seeds YouTube channel. So if you can give us a like and subscribe there as well, we'd absolutely appreciate it. Also, don't hesitate to check us out on social media. We're on the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, the Letterboxd, the TikTok, and probably a few other places at In The Seats for all sorts of fun updates. And finally, and I do dare say most importantly, please pay us a visit over at In The Seats, intheseats.ca for all the latest and greatest from the world of film, television, basically the moving image at large, because guess what? If we love to watch it and write about it and talk about it, we love it even more when you come by and read about it and listen about it. So do us that kindness and pay us a visit. On this episode, we got a fun one. It is one coming to theaters and also eventually to uh, Apple Plus streaming service. It's called Flora and Son. Uh, it played the Toronto International Film Festival, and it's from uh, filmmaker John Carney, who you may know from films like Once, Sing Street. Uh, they're musical. They're fun stuff, you know. And it's the story of a single mom, played by Eve Hewson, who is uh, at, loss, at a loss with what to do about her rebellious teenage son, Max. Encouraged by the police to help find Max a hobby, Flora tries to occupy him with a beat-up acoustic guitar, but uh, she ends up taking it up herself, and with the help of a uh, L.A. musician who, uh, well, he was somebody, but now he's doing online guitar classes, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Flora and Max discover the transformative power of music as they create a bond over uh, just the joy of storytelling and the joy of music and the joy of sharing uh, those things and how you can really find harmony with other people through song. And it's a, it's a gorgeous and it is a fun movie and we had the unique pleasure uh, during the festival to sit down with uh, the man who helped compose uh, the music for the film. Uh, the one and only Gary Clark, who worked with John Carney on a, on a who has worked with John Carney on a bunch of films, and the uh, the music in here is fantastic. And again, it's one of those things where you can see sort of the personality, the heart uh, in the music. And I mean, I think that's one of the big draws to a film like this because it's gorgeous and it's heartfelt, and we really hear it in the music and we we, we see it in the performances, and it's. Uh, it's a fantastic piece of work, but if you're interested, go check out Flora and Son, which is playing a limited theatrical run starting this coming Friday the 29th, and uh, then coming soon after to the Apple Plus streaming service. But first, enjoy our conversation with composer John, uh, Gary Clark, because between you and me, it's a darn good one. My friend, thank you so much for the time today. I really appreciate this. Oh, thanks, Steve. And congrats on the work on the movie, man. I thought it was fantastic. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, I guess my first question is, like, walk me through the origin of, uh, I guess, meeting John and mm. getting involved with him. Because 
obviously people know once and all that stuff, but then you guys got together on Sing Street and it feels like there was an evolution, which now Flora is sort of a continuation thereof. Yeah, um, that's, I think that's fair to say, yeah. So I used to be in bands in the 80s and the story of Sing Street is about the, this brother who turns his young kid brother onto these bands from the 80s yeah. and um, by playing them records and all that kind of stuff. And John's original idea when he was making the music for the movie was to contact a number of people who had not only made music at that time, but who he, because it was kind of based roughly on a true story of John's own older brother yeah. turning them on and stuff. And so my band, Danny Wilson, was one of the records that, our first album was one of the records that his brother had played to him when he was a kid. And he remembers cycling around Dublin with a yellow walk, sports walkman on, you know, listening to this. And so he called a number of people and asked them to contribute one song. I sent him a song, which weirdly enough ended up hitting the cutting room floor. It didn't go in the movie, but he loved it so much that he just said to me, do you want to come on and do the whole film? And I had done things in the past that had ended up in film, and I'm a massive film fan and film music fan. So, um, but it had all been stuff that had already existed on people's albums and things that went into movies. Um, so for him to ask me to actually get hands-on, I was just so excited. I said, and I remember saying to him, I will give you my heart and soul for this, you know. And um, we, then he told me we had about three weeks to write all the songs. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, it, it was so fast. Like, Sing Street was a whirlwind. Um, yeah. Next minute I knew, I seemed to like just blink and then we were in the studio together recording. So. But yeah, and since then, we'd, John uh, had a, had a, a TV show called Modern Love on which we did two seasons and he had me as exec music producer and I was doing score and writing songs and commissioning songs and all that kind of stuff, working with different directors and with John. So I guess I really cut my teeth on that and was felt like we were ready to work on a deeper level on um, Florida and so Well, and I mean, I love that you brought up deeper level because I mean, I've got to imagine you've got to be there early on in the process because I mean the music has a voice to it. Like the the music is the character very much. Thank you. Like when does uh, John sort of bring you into this process? This can't be like a three week. We're going. We're yeah. You know, we're we're locking picture in three weeks. Give me the music kind of deal. No, and also on this one, I was, uh, you know, I was music producer and was doing school with John and stuff. So I was on this movie from not the script writing, but pretty much after the script had been written all the way through and, and I was, you know, involved in when they were editing, like, ah, that was constant. I mean, the, the, the process, first of all, we had to get the songs right. Yeah. Cause, and then the score would happen once they started to edit. So we knew um, we got to get these songs. Now, some of the cover songs and stuff were already in the script mm. and they were, kind of ideas for what something might say. Um, when he asked me to, to come on board for the movie, which is probably early part of 2022, we basically did a Zoom. He was in Dublin, I was in Scotland, and we were on there for maybe three hours, and we walked through the whole movie. We talked about what kind of song might happen here, what, they might, what you might need here, and I was taking frantic notes. I actually... Then John and I started to ping ideas backwards and forwards. We knew that the key cornerstone songs were the rooftop 
song, which for ages was just called The Rooftop Song. <laughs> that was a journey, that one. Actually, that one was interesting, which I haven't talked about before, because we also knew that we needed an earlier version of it that's a, a wee bit more shit. Right. Yeah. And John was like, write the shit one first, and then we'll make a better one. And I was like, I think we should write the decent, get the decent one, and then I'll sort of like. Uh, you can reverse yeah. engineer the exactly. shit. Exactly. That's yeah, what I yeah. said. That was my exact term. I said. So that was that's kind of funny. But the but the journey of that song, not so much musically. We kind of had the musical framework quite early, um, but lyrically, we were bouncing stuff around for ages, and we. Um, we even, like, John's got a friend, Robert John Ardiff, who's a songwriter in Dublin. He contributed a bit, and then they were shooting in about a week, and we needed to get the Joe and Eve into the studio to do the song, and Eve and Joe heard where we were at, and they both said, I think my character would say this, and Joe was like, I think my character would say this. So um, we said, OK, let's just get in a studio. <laughs> and we and. The schedule was so tight because they were shooting. So yeah. we had like a, basically, sat, we had a Saturday and Sunday booked on, in the studio. We said, by the end of this weekend, we're going to have that song in the can, you know. Um, we actually managed to get it by the Saturday night. And uh, we just sat there, worked through it verse by verse, and it was almost like it appears in the in the film. We were like, you know, just live. Like, is this, what, what does she want to say next? What does he want to say next, you know? And I remember when John said that, the chorus has to be like something like it's like it's like can we meet in the middle, you know? And I just started saying, maybe we can meet in the middle. So I didn't mean literally, and he was like, but that's quite good, you know. And then we, uh, but we had it in the can by that evening. But it was a journey to get there. Well, I mean, that's wild though, because I mean, I love. I think it's that that, that dynamic in the film that makes it so special because. Yeah. Obviously, they're characters on one end, and actors are obviously storytellers, but so are musicians. So yep. it's telling a story inside the story. Yeah. And I mean, was it a lot of work on your end to get Joe and Eve to, to kind of that level? Because I mean, it's not again, it's not just the surface; it's the 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 surface beneath the surface to really sort of get mm. the real oomph to it. Yeah. Well, actually, the answer is no. They're actually both really bring it. They're really fantastic. But Joe had to be the better musician, obviously. He's the guitar teacher. Yeah. And the song that now plays on, on the end credits was originally had a scene, and we, we moved it later to the end credits. But Joe was going to be playing this guitar, and I wasn't sure if he was... It's got quite jazzy chords and stuff, and I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to cut it live. And so this was before we started shooting, and I, I did a Zoom with him, and um, he was in LA and I was in Scotland. And, and I said, look, Relax, because if you can't play it, I'll teach you enough that it'll look like you're playing it on camera. But, you know, if you can't play it, great, then we'll cut it live. So he gets his guitar on, he starts playing it, and he's like, better than me. And I was like, <laughs> like, okay, like, you know. I've actually still got that Zoom somewhere. But, like, um, he's a great musician, so there was no problem there. He's a great singer. I mean, he does a lot of it live on set. Um, Eve was the one who actually was more in her head, can I do this? But she knew she could do it. But she was nervous and sort of, we, we got some guitar lessons and things, but she was great. And, Love it. And she is that character. Yeah. So it's more about that, you know. For sure. Now I'm curious, because I'm always fascinated on sort of 
the working dynamic when you know someone who you know is and was in a band transitions to the film world and finds someone like John to work with. Like mm -hmm. I mean, I almost have that you know Mick and Keith dynamic in my head. And I mean, how is that sort of how does the the band experience compare to? the film experience because I mean they both take a village but they're different kind of villages oh yeah it's a bigger village of course it's more of a city but the, the film um, well the interesting thing about if you think about John and I both started on Sing Street and what that story is when he and I compared notes both of us were practically in Sing Street there are photographs of John in his school band and right. it's Sing Street and I had my school band and um, and then we both had music careers before he got into the film thing. He was in a band called The Frames, a Dublin band. And um, actually our, mu our journeys musically weren't that different. And so, yeah, it is like being in a band together. It is, that's kind of like, although there is a bit more long distance involved because he's sure, in Dublin. Yeah. And, but we, nowadays with the technology, we just ping stuff backwards and forwards. And we'll, We'll do stuff on Zoom, but a lot of the time he'll just send me a garage band session and then I'll do a bit of work on it, send it back, and, you know, bounce it around. Now, I mean, obviously through the history of time, music can stand alone, the moving image can stand alone, but when you put them together, you get magic. I know. What is it about that magic from your perspective that it keeps relationships like yours with John going and just sort of doing these fantastic things? Because, again, in the film industry, we see so many more and more... Uh, people who are in bands getting more and more creative fulfillment by mm. working in the film side of things. Mm. I grew up on, even my band, like our first album was called Meet Danny Wilson, which is an old Sinatra movie. Um, I grew up with all of those classic old musicals that my dad loved and the relationship between song and dance and music and the story and it always had a huge effect on me. And so my first kind of, I mean, I was obsessed. I, when, I was, when I was actually an artist and I was writing my own songs before I sort of started to produce and write for other people, I, I was obsessed with films, a lot of film references in my songs. And I used to go and watch pretty much every movie. I lived in London at the time. Mm -hmm. And I would go during the day um, because the movie theatres would be practically empty. And you'd open the curtain just for me. But I used to see pretty much every film that came out. And um, I was, you know, absolutely obsessed with film, film and music and the two of them together, just as you described. I then had a few things placed in film, a few songs that already pre-existed were put into movies and I was able to s see my you know, hear one of my own things in a film and just be completely wowed by that. And so the next step, which I didn't know how to get into, it was just pure luck. It was just that John called me about... But they'd say that things happen to you when you're ready for them, don't they? You know, there's yeah. a sense that... I mean, he wouldn't have, he, we wouldn't keep working together if it didn't work on some level. So I, I think we're supposed to be working together. And I think... Um, it's a gift for me, to be honest. I just love doing it, and I love um, the, the, I love being able to affect the film in a beautiful way, hopefully, um, with music. And you would be amazed at how a different piece of score on, well, you wouldn't, you probably know, but <laughs> how a, a different piece of score under the same scene would have so dramatic a, an effect. So it's just a, gift to be able to play in that 
sound pit where you've got image and sound and music. It's just gorgeous. So. And I gotta imagine it's a different kind of creative payoff because I mean, obviously on one end, you can have one of your songs attached to some sort of image or movie and then it's like, it's that chocolate and peanut butter moment, but yeah. it's gotta be that next level to sort of ha be able to be their boots on the ground and really shaping it from minute one. It is, and it's also been a massive learning curve for me. Like it was, um, I've learned so much and that's what's amazing for me because I've sort of like been through a lot of different sides of the whole pop music world and this is the sort of point where you're supposed to be getting too old for pop music <laughs> and this whole other world has kind of opened up for me and we, you know, it even took me in Broadway with, with um, Sing Street and I'm working on another stage musical and so there's, there's a whole other world has opened up just through that phone call that John made to me that I'm just, I will be eternally grateful for it. But at the end of the day, the real gift, the real payoff is the, it's, it's the making of the thing. It's the, it's the art, you know. And it's the ability to tell these stories, whether it's through Joe and Eve or be on stage with the gang from Sing Street or, you know, God knows what else. Absolutely. But I mean, my friend, Gary, just thank you for the work. Keep up the good work and enjoy the rest of your trip, man. Seriously. Thank you so much. Yeah. Man. I appreciate it. It was lovely to chat Absolutely. Cheers, man. And don't forget to, to visit our friends over at Bay Street Video for all your DVD, Blu-ray rental, or purchasing needs this summer, as they are still open for curbside and some mailing delivery as well. Over at 1172 Bay Street, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, you can give them a call at 416-964-9088. That's 416-964-9088. Or send them an email at baystreetvideoto at gmail.com for any of your DVD and Blu-ray needs.